Hello and welcome to the audio choke here at MMATorch.com. Do what Frank Shamrock does. Follow us on Twitter, audiochoke at twitter.com. Or uh, fan us or friend us on Facebook and also friend MMATorch at facebook.com. I'm Tobin Shelby. I'm Greg Rowan. And I'm Matt Collins. UFC Fight Night wrap-up. Fantastic yet very polarizing fights happening yesterday. We were recording this on Tuesday for your information. Tell them a piece of information that would confirm we are recording this on a Tuesday. It's true. It happened yesterday. So I just now, if they're listening to it on, a, let's say, a Thursday, or maybe this is years in the future, Tobin. Maybe yes. they're list, uh, far off civilization is listening to this. And it could be whatever. Well, in that case, we're going to have to specify that this was UFC Fight Night 20. Yes. The first UFC event of 2010. UFC Fight Night of 2010, rather. So, uh, that is correct. Yeah. Well, um, how did we like the card? We all saw it. Added bonus, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, as we only got to see the main card on this event, if I'm re- remembering correctly, because just about everything went to decision. Yeah. Uh, they, oh, they pretty much goodness. ran out of time. Yeah, I was kind of hoping for one or two undercard fights, but uh, even the undercard fights, it looks like all, a lot of them went to decision. But uh, Yeah. And the only one on the main card that didn't go to decision was the uh, Efrain Esquerdo fight with uh, Evan Dunham, which uh, still went to the third round. It was uh, two minutes into the third round that he got submitted by that armbar. Yeah, it was a nasty arm bar. Uh, it doesn't sound like he broke his arm, uh, but it, it definitely tweaked some things, uh, yeah, according to he, reports. So he's looking at a dislocated uh, shoulder or elbow. I thought I heard, and uh, I'm really surprised that he he held on like that. I think that he would have learned it from the lesson of uh, Shinya Aoki last week, and uh, would have freaking tapped out. Yeah, I know Joe Rogan got on him. Not got on him, but it pointed that out kind of immediately afterwards that, uh, yeah, Escudero should have, uh, you know, it's one thing to be said for being resilient and being tough, but, uh, you know, once you get to that point where you're obviously not going to get out of it, uh, you want to tap out before you do some serious damage to your arm. And there's some guys that would just love to break some arms. That's what they're going in there to do. Frank Mir. Yeah, well, I think uh, Steve Cantwell, it was, said that after breaking a guy's arm in a fight, he kind of laughed about it. I was like, yeah, I've always wanted to do that. So, I mean, I personally kind of look at it as an insult or like a challenge. You know, if somebody's not tapping, uh, you know, obviously not in a, uh, a training scenario, but in a fight, if somebody's not tapping, they're basically telling you, you're not going to break my arm. And, uh, you know, what are you going to do? Are you just going to let them out or are you, you going to break it? Yeah, it's a tough call, and I, you know, I don't think a lot of people like uh, do it on purpose. I mean, I'm sure there's a few few guys who just like do it just for kicks. But I mean, yeah, once you get to that point where the person hasn't tapped, and you know, you're supposed to go until the fight stopped, and in that case, the fight will be stopped once you've broken the person's arm. Or, and the rest of that fight yeah. was very fantastic. I yeah. mean, a few of those fights where um, it, it just goes from one extreme of a fight to a complete other, from brawling to really smart mixed martial arting. Yeah, there was a lot of mixed martial arting happening in that fight. Good call, Matt. <laughs> Appreciate that. I'm glad I could uh, put something in an opinion somewhere. Yes. All right, oh, well, yeah. that Tom Lawler, Aaron Simpson fight, we got a good flow going on today, guys. Yeah. You're supposed to be moderating. Moderate, Matt. I am. <laughs> okay, okay. Tom Lawler, Aaron Simpson, a fight that I had butterflies in my stomach going, 
into it, into the third round. I was just, uh, I was feeling emotions of, uh, of, of angst and of, of pride and, and just really getting into the match. I was extremely impressed with both those guys. Yeah, I mean, Lawler almost ended it in the first round, but um, uh, Aaron Simpson was able to uh, come back and uh, weather, uh, weather the storm as it was and pulled out a, a tough decision. Yeah, I think he wore Tom Lawler out a little bit, which uh, really kind of bummed me out because I really like Tom Lawler. He busted onto the scene at uh, Season 8 of The Ultimate Fighter, and uh, he, he lost, I believe, in the first round on the show, but he had some pretty notable moments, like when the uh, the lightweight fighter was talking about how he can't be knocked out, and he asked Tom Lawler to punch him, and, you know, he just cold-cocked him, knocked him right out. And... Uh, He's been in some memorable moments on uh, the UFC since then. He uh, choked out C.B. Dalloway at UFC 100, which was a happy moment for most people, myself included. And uh, this was more or less Aaron Simpson's revenge on that one because Aaron Simpson is a training partner with C.B. Dalloway. But with a split decision, I mean, he, he won the fight. I, I think he did uh, as much as I was hoping it was going to go the other way. But... Anytime there's a split decision, I don't think he can say he truly avenged his teammate. Right, it wasn't a, it wasn't a decisive victory. Uh, it was very competitive, and you know Lawler's one of those guys. Uh, he's got the personality where even if he's not winning every fight, it seems like he'll be getting bringing eyeballs. Uh, he, he's got some pretty interesting uh, ring entrances of his own, and uh, he was cornered by the Kimbo Killer Seth Petrozelli. So that's that's something. Yes, it is. And Aaron Simpson, as Mike Goldberg pointed out, is the 30-something Randy Couture of the 40-somethings, which was very awesome. Immediately questioned by Joe Rogan, but uh, I, I got what he was trying to say, I think. Yes. In that he is... Uh, Definitely the quote of the night. Yeah. Another uh, another Goldbergism. Any other fights you guys want to talk about? Uh, well, we should talk about the main event. Uh that snoozer? Come on. Yeah, maybe not for the quality of the fight, uh, but maybe for the implications of it. But uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, it was uh, it wasn't necessarily boring. It was just frustrating, kind of to watch, and there wasn't a lot that not, nothing seemed to be super effective in that fight uh, between uh, Gray Maynard and uh, Nate Diaz. Uh, it was just a lot of uh, back and forth and some posturing, but a lot of a lot of punches that were kind of answered immediately by the opponent. And uh, I'd say that's a pretty good argument for uh, a draw. Uh, when it comes to fights, but uh, you know Maynard got the decision, and he, people can make good arguments for that. But yeah, I don't know. It just wasn't. Uh, it didn't. It didn't seem like a good cap to the night of fights. But uh, it wasn't. It wasn't horrible. It just wasn't. Uh, I guess it wasn't satisfying, is how I'd put it. That seemed to be like the kind of fight where both men were kind of worried about the other man's weakness or uh, strength. Sorry. Um, yeah. uh Nate Diaz didn't really let his hands go a lot because he was worried about the takedowns. And then Maynard didn't go for any takedowns because he was worried about the submissions. So, uh, I mean, they ended up both playing towards uh, kind of something that they're not the best at, and uh, that was a little unfortunate. Um, you were talking about the implications, though. Uh, as far as I'm concerned, Gray Maynard was pretty much in line for a title shot after that fight. Um, that fight was basically just kind of clear a loss off of his record and... Uh, uh, put him in line for BJ Penn, but that is pretty much out of the question now because you know Nate Diaz is a good fighter, but he's certainly not a top fighter. He lost to uh, Clay Guida not too long ago, right? And um, 
you know, Clay Guida certainly looked better against Nate than uh, Gray Maynard just did. So there's there's no reason that Gray Maynard should have gotten this next title shot against BJ Penn after a fight like that. Yeah, yeah, and it's unfortunate that works that way because, I mean, he, he got the win and everything, but uh, a lot is, especially in uh, mixed martial arts where marketing's, you know, 50% of selling the fight is, uh, you know, you want to have uh, uh, the challenger coming off an exciting win, and even though he's on a, he's on a, he's got a good streak going, his last win just wasn't exciting, and as, as soon as that fight was over, you know, I was, I couldn't think of one reason to be excited of a Gray Maynard versus BJ Penn fight, but it doesn't sound like that's going to be a problem at the moment. Because um, it sounds like Frankie Edgar is getting the the shot, according to uh, the internets. Yes, mm. the World Wide Web's say that. What do you think about that upcoming fight if it happens? I I can deal with that, except for I believe Frankie Edgar has a loss to Gray Maynard, and you know I don't want to get into MMA math or anything like that, but you know just we'll we'll see. It, it's hard to get excited for many challengers to be J Penn right now, but that doesn't mean they shouldn't fight. You know. Yeah. Well, I will say that I mean. I was talking about uh, how Gray, I felt, was pretty much the number one contender. But at the same time, he's not really looked particularly spectacular in his fight since then. And uh, uh, Frankie Edgar has looked pretty great. He uh, he beat Sean Shirk, who is the previous title holder, and uh, pretty much dominated Hermes Franca and had a pretty impressive fight in his last fight against Matt Beach. So while he's not going to be the favorite by any means, after the fight that Gray Maynard put together, um, I mean, you, you look at a guy like Nate Diaz and then a guy like BJ Penn, and BJ Penn is great at all the things that uh, Nate Diaz is good at. So while Gray Maynard managed to squeak out a victory, there's no way he's going to stand up like that against BJ Penn. It, it's just not going to happen. So I, I think looking at that, um, I think Frankie Edgar probably has a better chance right now, too. And, you know, who's to say that head-to-head uh, Gray Maynard would come out ahead again? Um, I think that Frankie Edgar has shown more signs of improvement since that fight. Yeah. I, I, I agree with most of those points. Hooray. Most wonderfully. And it looks like it is actually going to happen. We did a little extra looking, and uh, BJ Penn will be taking on Frankie Edgar. Now, as Tobin, unfortunately, last week forgot to talk about, WEC happened. Oh, yeah, there was a WEC this last week, and I don't know if you guys watched that. You wouldn't have known if you had listened to this podcast, because we, we maybe forgot to mention that uh, some guy named Uriah Faber, and there was a belt on the line, no big deal. But uh, we're talking about it now, and that's what matters. Here we are, yes. yes. Good. Uh, it was. Uh, uh, did either of you guys manage to catch that? No, I missed it. Oh, that's too bad. There, good night of fights on versus Sunday night. Uh, we had the uh, a title fight, uh, interim champion versus champion in uh, Jamie Varner versus Ben Henderson for the uh, WEC's lightweight belt, I believe. Yeah. And uh, you know that was that was a pretty good fight. Uh, ben Henderson caught Jamie Varner with a standing guillotine arm in uh, in the Ooh. third round as Varner was going for a takedown and uh, tapped out. Tapped him out pretty much immediately, uh, and before that it had been a pretty good back and forth fight. Uh, Varner was pushing the action pretty pretty well against Henderson, and was I think getting a bit better of the stand up exchanges. But it was it was very close and very competitive. Uh, so yeah, it was, a, it was a good fight. It sounds like um, it might be uh, Donald uh, Cerrone versus uh, Henderson, perhaps in, in a rematch. But this time it would be for for the belt down the line. And of course, Jamie Varner and uh, Cerrone 
down the line also could be in line for some sort of uh, rematch over there. Uh, controversial title fight in which uh, Varner took an illegal knee and uh, ended the, that ended the fight, which he, he won, but it, it did not look good in many fans' eyes. So a couple options for the WC lightweight uh, division. Now, one thing that I've read, because as I just stated, I had not seen this show, yep. um, is that Jamie Varner got on the mic afterwards and was kind of talking some smack, said, uh, you know, I came here to fight and this guy came to grapple. And was he not the one going for takedowns? Uh, yeah, he was he was going for a takedown when he got choked out, that's for sure. Um, but yeah, it, you know, uh, Henderson was using more more kicks and such uh, such to kind of keep distance on him, and uh, you know, I, I don't want to necessarily get in the middle of it. But yeah, I mean, it, it seemed like Varner was pushing the action a little bit more. But um, when someone's better at stand up than you, um, you probably shouldn't get into a, uh, big exchanges with them. So that's part of that's why it's mixed martial arts and not boxing. Um, you know, because you can use a variety of tools and, and tactics to win a fight. And we've seen a lot of this recently. And Greg, you wrote, uh, you are writing several articles on the grapplers versus the strikers for MMATorch.com, this fine website that we are broadcasting on. And it seems like the same thing was happening with the Tom Lawler Aaron Simpson match. After the fight was actually done, people were booing. They, their um, people like the fists just a lot more. You know. And they're swilling beer and they're enjoying yeah. themselves. They want to see brutality. At a basic level, it's it's more exciting, for sure. And uh, I would say majority of mainstream fans and even hardcore fans, I'm sure, enjoy a good a good exchange of punches and stuff. And wh- if a fighter wins by not utilizing their fists to face tactics, uh, it might not be as popular. But yeah. arms can be broken. Yeah, you know. this is true. I'm, I'm just speaking, uh, you know, for potential. No, you're getting in the middle of this. Yeah. <laughs> I'm all about a gra- good grappling match, you know. So, well, excellent. So that was a good night of fights for the WEC. Yeah, and the other big fight uh, was obviously the return of Uriah Faber uh, coming back from. Uh, I believe both of his hands were broken in his last fight against uh, Mike Brown. Yeah, uh, rematch against Mike Brown that he lost, but he came back and uh, choked out uh, Hafiel Asuncao, uh I believe a rear naked choke, and that puts some. It sounds like WEC is setting up a um, fight between Uriah Faber. To fight uh, Jose Aldo for the uh, their belt, and I just totally spaced out on what weight class it is. That's 145. Yes, that um, weight and, class. And I, I wouldn't be surprised at all if they put that fight together for a number of reasons. One, now that uh, the WEC has dropped a handful of weight classes, all they've got is 135, 145, and 155. Uriah Faber is pretty much their number one draw at this point because you know you look at their lightweights. And they're good, but they're they're not like BJ Penn, and they're not contenders to BJ Penn. So their lightweight is still kind of a farm league for the UFC. Right. And uh, Uriah Faber is pretty much the face of the WEC at this point. There's some other guys that uh you know could probably be some draws too. Miguel Torres is up there. Mike Brown, seeing as how he beat Uriah Faber twice, yep. but you know Uriah Faber, he's the pretty boy. He's an exciting fighter, and. Um, He's going to draw uh, some good readings if he gets that title shot. But also, while he lost both times to Mike Brown, and he lost both times decisively, you, you kind of get a feeling that the better man didn't win both fights. Um, the first fight he got caught flat out, he was doing some cute stuff, going for a flying backwards elbow, and, uh, you know, I, I think that has a lot to do with cockiness. Yeah, and uh, he, he got his head punched and uh, went down. And he comes in there for the rematch, 
and not, breaks not one but two hands and still fights out to a five-round decision, ends up losing, and, I mean, he did lose. Uh, it's not like it was a bad decision. But with two broken hands, if he still almost pulled off a choke towards the end of it, I believe. Yep. Um, you know, Mike Brown deserved both wins, but it, it it's hard to say that he's a better fighter, given that. And um, I, I'd like to see them fight again, but you know, there's no precedent for that to, to happen right now, unless, of course, Uriah Faber ends up uh, fighting himself ranked higher. So I could see this title shot going down. That said, Jose Aldo has looked like a murderer lately, so uh, it's going to be a really tough fight for Uriah. Yeah, but it'll definitely be a, a very big fight for WEC. And yeah, the, the the Sunday night event was in Sacramento, California, where uh, uh, Uriah is the uh, the California kid, of course. And uh, just his his reception there was huge, and clearly made out to be a, a huge star, which is uh, good for WEC because they don't have, like you kind of mentioned, not a lot of marketable stars. And he he's one of the names and a, a very good fighter, uh, maybe not the top fighter at WEC, but one one of the best for sure. So it'll be interesting to see how that goes down and. Um, fun to see how it plays out. I know WEC was talking about doing pay-per-view at some point, and uh, who knows if that'll end up being on that potential pay-per-view card or not, but uh, it, it should be a good fight either way, uh, no matter where it airs. Yeah, no, yeah no matter where it airs or no matter uh, where it takes place, because yep. I did not know that New York State had banned, previously banned, mixed martial arts fights. Back in the good old days of human cockfighting, yes. Ha-ha. Good, good yeah. segue, by the way, Matt. Thanks, I tried. Yes. Yeah, I think you pointed that out to make fun of me. <laughs> no, no. I'm just drawing attention to it because you did such a good job with it. All right, go ahead, Greg. I was just saying, a lot of places had previously banned mixed martial arts, and, um, I mean, even places that haven't banned them uh, still often don't have regulation, much like here in Alaska, where we've got the AFC. There is fights, but it's completely unregulated. You can just sign up and fight. You know, the next day, basically. Um, so, the UFC has been doing a great job of uh, getting states to come around one at a time and getting them signed up. And uh, New York is one of the last big markets, and uh, it looks like they just got them. Yeah, well, it's, it's nothing's official yet, but uh, I know, uh, I believe USA Today did an article on uh, Monday, uh, the 11th, uh, talking about how Governor David Patterson is. Uh, kind of come around on it. He's pushing uh, for MMA to be regulated in New York State, uh, mainly uh, to, as a way to deal with the, the state's budge, budget deficit, uh, which is, uh, and that's that's something uh, UFC officials, uh, Dana White and the Fertitas, have always brought up is, you know, bringing MMA into a, into a state is a great way to bring in revenue to the state. It attracts um, lots of dollars, you, you hotels and, you know, just uh, you know, basically, it's it's like a mini little tourist boom for for the the state and the city that the uh, the event takes place, and especially if it's a big event like the UFC, almost like a monthly convention. Yeah, and um, I, I could with I the could, weigh-ins and the signings and all of the pu- publicity they do every single month for these events. Right, and as high profile as the UFC is now, and uh, its main pay-per-views are, uh, it, it it's not just people in the state or in the city that go to the events. People fly in from all all places to go to these events. So it is a is a pretty big uh, boom for uh, local economies. So um, it, hopefully uh, this will all go through. I know the the Senate last year, New York Senate was dealing with it last year and had some issues. There was a shakeup there, and there was a couple uh, legislators who were adamantly morally opposed 
to legalize an MMA because, mm. you know, people die and stuff like that, and they, they just rip each other's faces off in this, in this ultimate fighting nonsense. Yes, of course. Yeah. Yeah, ridiculous. That's just, uh, oh, that makes me so mad. So it would be, uh, be very, very good. And, of course, he, I, I, Dana White's mentioned it multiple times. He, the UFC at Madison Square Garden would be a huge event, um, n- not just in you know New York, but you know pay-per-view wise and everything. It's it's one of those symbolic venues. Um, but it sounds like the the former governor who had actually been involved in the ban of MMA in New York has has also kind of changed his mind on that as well. So, w- with the support of the current and former governors, uh, hopefully we'll get some uh, movement on that. So if one day you would like to send the Audio Choke podcast to a UFC event in New York State, just hit us up, audiochoke at facebook.com. Yeah. Good and plug, Matt. Excellent, excellent point. Please send us. We would sure love to go. All right, Zufa News, or maybe rumors or uh, things that are just floating around in the air. As far as I know, this is confirmed. Um the UFC has sold 10% stake in, uh, well, the UFC, Zufa sold 10% to Flash Entertainment, a Middle Eastern entertainment company. Yeah, based out of uh, Abu Dhabi, correct? Yes. Which is uh, home of a large international grappling tournament and sounds like soon will be home to a, a major UFC pay-per-view. Yes, the Abu Dhabi combat is uh, pretty much the Olympics of no geese submission grappling. Um, they've got it every year. Uh, it, it's kind of like a mix between wrestling and jujitsu. It's UFC with no punches and kicks, and um, you know that's pretty much the proving ground for no gi jujitsu. And uh, they're really into it. The guy who uh, owns Flash Entertainment is actually a Henzo Gracie black belt. Hmm. Yeah, I, I was reading up on this a little bit, and uh, yeah, he was actually uh, in the States and in attendance for the very first uh, UFC back in the day. You know, back when there was no no weight classes, no rules, and it was like Thunderdome. Where we have the elephant versus the mouse. Yeah. Two men enter, one man leaves, that sort of thing. But uh, it sounds like he's been a fan for a while, so this will be uh, exciting, and it sounds like in addition to being able to uh, do a show, uh, a big show in Abu Dhabi, uh, there's... Uh, Integrate some of their fighters mm-hmm. for us, and the same, the same with the American and you know UFC people uh, with them, because it'd be great to have a sport that American can really get behind. That's uh, that's in international fodder, really. Right? Yeah, and there's some already some interviews up online um, with uh, Dana White talking about how th- this Abu Dhabi deal will help uh, promote the UFC uh, internationally and kind of help it grow. Uh, in, in some difficult to get to venues quicker than they they had previously planned for, so that'll be exciting to see. I think one of the things floating around was something in China uh, down the line, which would be insane. I just yeah, hope that, that uh, huge. Dana White isn't the international face of the UFC. Well, everyone loves him. He's never said anything controversial, and there's no way anyone could ever be offended by anything he does. You're 100 so. percent right. But that's what the Fertitas are for. Yes. Yes. You know, I, I personally like Dana White, and the Fertitas are always there to smooth it out in the end anyway. Yeah, so. oh, no, Dana, Dana White's done great things for the sport. He could just definitely be, uh, one might call him a polarizing figure at times. I actually saw um, earlier, I saw him and uh, Lorenzo Fertitta, I believe, uh, speaking with uh, a member of the Fox News Network, 
Just Sarah Palin? No, no. Oh. no. Not, not, not new uh, contributor Sarah Palin, but... Uh, waka, waka, waka. Yeah, Fox News uh, veteran Neil Cavuto discussing, um, I believe it was, it was the New York regulation issues. They didn't bring up the Abu Dhabi um, issues because, uh, believe it or not, Fox News, uh, I, would, I would say most news men in general are not super familiar with this ultimate fighting uh, so it wasn't a super in-depth interview, but they covered the kind of the basics. Of, yeah, no, they're too busy putting hidden yeah. cameras and briefcases for cockfighting. Right, right, right. But uh, no, it was it was just interesting to see them. So it's getting some mainstream attention uh, because uh, the New York governors have come and said, you know, it, it's for budget reasons. So, but yeah, no, with that and the uh, the Abu Dhabi deal, it's uh, been a pretty big week for. Uh, well, the UFC and MMA in general. I mean, if MMA got regulated in New York, there'd be lots of people jumping on that, not just the UFC for sure. And now Greg's movie corner. Over the weekend, we witnessed truly what could be um, Ben Hur, Lawrence of Arabia, and then of course taking the lead in all those movies. Uh, well, what did we watch? Uh, Death Warrior. Is that what that was called? Maybe Never Surrender. I don't know. <laughs> You guys didn't invite me? I think it was Death Warrior. It was the Tap Out movie starring some guy, uh, you know, some actor, and then George St. Pierre, Rashad Evans, Rampage Jackson, and the Dean of Mean, Keith Jardine. Who had a much... martial arts fighters. Yeah, who had a much larger role than I was hoping he would have. Yeah, it seemed really strange to me that of the four uh, UFC fighters that they got in this movie... The, uh, the the main one was Keith Jardine, not only the only one without a without a title uh, on his record, but you know it's just like he, he's really not a guy that a, a whole lot of people care about. Well, um, he has dabbled in acting before. To defend the honor of Keith Jardine here, he has dabbled in acting before with a small cameo in Crank Two, I believe. But also, he's got that uh, he's got that look. What, you know, for people who aren't familiar with uh, MMA or, or fighters or anything, Keith Jardine kind of is the guy who's like, oh yeah, that guy looks like he could kick somebody's ass. Yeah, he's bald, he's blonde, and he has a uh, a pubic goatee. He looks like an evil Viking. Indeed, he yes. does. But, but at the same time, uh, Rampage is Mr. T. This is true. Have you guys seen the trailer? I have not. No. But I'm a lot less excited of seeing that after watching Rampage's acting in uh, in this movie. Death Warrior, because that was that was pretty brutal. The love scenes sure weren't though. Oh yeah, Tap Out was uh, Tap Out was paying for some boobs in that movie. Was Rampage um, making out with reporters again or something? Or? <laughs> Farting on them? <laughs> it was, uh, you know, it, it wasn't the worst movie I've ever seen. But um, in, unless you've got some beer and some funny friends. It's uh, certainly what you want to skip. Don't watch it alone. <laughs> Unless you're just going to go fast forward to the boob parts. Then. So it's probably not up for any Oscars is what you're saying. Actually, no, yeah, totally. Best fight choreography? <laughs> Best soundtrack? Yeah. Also, one thing I want to point out is if you are picking this one up, for the sake of seeing George St. Pierre without his shirt on, because he's on the cover without his shirt on, it's not going to happen. He assured it the whole movie. Hate to give a spoiler, but I'm just saying, don't buy the movie if that's what you're looking for. All right. That is disappointing. Yeah. I'm very upset he's got one it. line in it. Ooh, maybe I should have said too don't much. Don't ruin it. Don't ruin it. Spoiler alert. Oh, dang, too late. Yeah. 
All right. Well, thanks for hanging out with us. Uh, anything else you guys want to talk about? Um, as far as we know, there's no WC, WEC this next weekend, so I, I think we're we're good with upcoming events. Uh, the next major, I don't even want to mention what the next major event is, but there's no huge events this coming weekend, as far as I know. But uh, you know, towards the end of the month, we got another strike force, and uh, then uh, more UFC in February. Agreed. All right. Well, thanks for hanging out, everybody. I'm Tobin Shelby. I'm Greg Rowan. And I'm Matt Collins. You've been inside the audio choke. Thanks for hanging out. Audio choke. Woo! 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 Woo!